So I'm a big fan of like when something's there, it's festering, like best to get it out, best to talk about it and best to at least have it like if there's stuff not being talked about and then you try to go and be intimate, it can be hard because you're like not present with your partner. So good to talk about that stuff. But then on the other hand, my kind of opposite answer is that some, you don't have to have everything worked out before you can have a good time sexually, you know? And sometimes in certain situations, it's kind of nice to be like, yes, we have these things, but we're putting them aside right now and we're gonna get physical. Like we're just gonna touch each other. And sometimes even some of those things can dissolve <laughs> once you, you know, had that nice, yummy, sensual time. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Sanderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, this is Ariel Anderson, and you just heard Alicia Devon of the Devon Method. She's an incredible soul of light, and this is a conversation not to miss because it's for you. It's for you as a couple. If you have that partner or that husband or wife uh, that is important to you in your life and active in your life, maybe it's uh, also for you as a parent, and there's so much there. There's so much there, you guys. And at the end of this, she's making an incredible, generous offer that you don't want to miss. And I'll put all those links and things in the, uh, in the description. Definitely check out her video before you take her up on that offer. But before I dive into my own experience of her, because I tried it out, uh, I also want to mention like, who she is and what she's about. Alicia Devon holds a master's degree in integral psychology with a focus on women's romantic and sensual expression. Doesn't that sound yummy? She trained as a therapist before meeting Erwan and led numerous women's groups devoted to female pleasure and self-fulfillment from career to relationship. She's been with Erwan for almost 20 years and they have a son and they have the pleasure course, which is sort of a longer course. They have uh, uh, workshops for parenting, for pleasure, for intimacy, for yourself and different, whatever that means, you know, what you need, they do coaching. And I can say firsthand that my experience of Alicia and, and we may, you know, experience Erwan in the near future was very strong. There were tears and laughter and uh, that warm heart connection, like that first moment when you meet that person that you're meant to be with forever, um, or that moment in your life when you felt the best, that woke up in this. There was um, this incredible and unusual or, or rare moment, I should say, of being truly heard and feeling you were in a place of non-judgment. Alicia creates the space to be vulnerable. I am a person who does not do that freely with people I don't know very well. And uh, she created that space very quickly where there's just that you can pour your heart out and uh, show up and she shows up for you and is not pushing an agenda. Each person in the couple feels very heard and uh, she's she's laser focused like she's got this warmth and at the same time is just really present 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 and guided us through some things and asked the right questions and got us into action which we already have in motion and I already feel like our lives are changing from one small session and you know who knows what the future bring will hold and bring uh, as we go forward I just wanted to mention that because I want you to know who she is and that we had this incredible experience I had it on the podcast first which you know triggered and rippled out the the want to want of more and I I think that's essential referrals and and true experience is super and incredibly important and today is gonna be a good one as I mentioned so hang on and uh, here we go into my conversation with uh, Alicia and uh, just exhale get a cup of something relax wherever you are just try to relax your shoulders and show up for yourself right now uh, because you deserve 
nice to meet you. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Where are you located? I'm in Northern Cal, just in uh, West Sonoma County. We're in the same area. We're in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Born and raised in that area as well. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Well, good. So nice to meet you, bright and shiny. (laughs) But I would love to start with, I mean, you said you're in San Francisco. Are you born and raised? Like, what brought you up to this moment right now? Uh, Whatever that version of story is that comes out today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles. So I have not been too far from San Francisco and I went to college in Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. And that was like the big, well, I mean, there's been so many transformative phases of my life, but that was like a huge one. You know, I went off to college and I'm very close to my parents and I was sort of homesick and depressed and having all kinds of stuff go on. So I, got into personal growth and development at age 19. You know, I started to go to therapy and then I discovered workshops and like, you know, female empowerment and loving your body and getting in touch with yourself. And I just like entered this world of like sweat lodges and, you know, all sorts of things, drumming, (laughs) you know, and like my roommates were like, partying and you know I partied (laughs) I partied a fair share I mean but they were just in a totally other world and then I got one of my roommates into what I was doing and we were like the weirdos in the house but um anyways it I was studying psychology and I just began to really see the power of personal growth and development and like that you can actually be a happier and happier person, you know, as you get to know yourself more and more deeply. So that's how my whole journey started. And then I moved up to the Bay Area. My best friend from high school went to school in Berkeley. So I would always visit her. I felt totally at home in Berkeley. Like I still remember the first night driving through the streets, like on Piedmont Avenue, and it felt like home. So I moved up, then eventually went to grad school and got my master's in psychology. And then well, the story continues from there about how I got to this, you know, I basically became obsessed with sexuality, female sexuality and psychology and how it all worked. And then a woman in my graduate program introduced me to my husband, Erwan, who was already, he had founded our organization. So he was already teaching classes to singles and couples about pleasure and sexuality and masculine feminine communication so when I started dating him I was like you gotta invite me to one of your classes you know <laughs> when he was Let's rocking go. the world you know so I was like what is this and I went to his some of his groups and I'm like this is amazing like there was that depth of really growing and knowing yourself but then that fun of romance and sexuality and learning more so anyways I finished the master's, but didn't become a therapist like I originally planned. I joined his group and the rest is history. Now we do this together. Fantastic. I I think that at least from my point of view and and my partners as well, my husband creating something together. And when you're in such alignment like that, when there's something that you're just so full on a guest, I love that. (laughs) It's a great, great part. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really fun. What has been some part of the, your favorite part of that journey together? Between he and I? Mm-hmm. Oh, I would say now. I mean, now it keeps getting better. I mean, you mentioned you have a four-year-old. We have a four-and-a-half-year-old. So you know how that is. Yeah. And it's just amazing to be able to, you know, this time now is the best part of our relationship. We're the most turned on towards each other. We're the most connected. Our family unit feels great. We're lucky enough to get to do this work, you know, with singles and couples and things have expanded a lot since COVID and we moved everything online. So it was almost all in person, like workshops and trainings before that. So we're having a lot of fun. I would say it's now. And what would you say, because you're, you're mentioning the difference between, you know, pre full on virtual versus, you know, live and in person, what are some of the things that you have noticed as far as the work and how people are interacting and uh, doing it virtually versus live? Have you noticed any differences? 
and what the feedback that you've gotten from people? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's, it's mixed. Most people really like the virtual, but of course the in-person contact in our classes, we do a lot of um, like clothed non-sexual touching practices, teaching both singles and couples how to touch and how to communicate and, you know, that's not happening in our classes anymore. We're still training singles and couples in those practices, but it's virtually. I mean, even the couples that we work with virtually, we can actually guide them through touching through Zoom, but you know, not the same. I mean, our work has a very strong social community element to it. So it's changed, but people really like not having to go anywhere. (laughs) And we now get to work with people from all across the country and into Australia and New Zealand and even Russia. And, you know, so it's, I think people like meeting more people in the classes. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine because I've been in around the world, all kinds of workshops live and virtually. And uh, there is that vibe you kind of get in tune together, you know, which you, you feel it more in an obvious way when you're face-to-face, you know, live. And at the same time, I imagine, as you mentioned, the international, you know, kind of rippling out that you, your audience may have widened. I also imagine as a person who rides the line between extrovert and introvert and being super private and, you know, willing to have the communal experience. I imagine for people who, when I'm on the other side of the line that are like that, who want to have that connection with their partner, but feel super uncomfortable doing that like literally next to other people, mm-hmm. even though I know you said it's not necessarily, you know, naked or whatnot, but still there's that piece that some, some couples, and especially as we just moved from Prague, Czech Republic, and there's sort of this part of the community, which is just open to everything. It's just blows my mind. And then the other part, which is like, whoa, 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 that's way too personal. So yeah. I can totally imagine how that um, encompasses a whole other level of, or a group of people that might've been shy to show up to one mm-hmm. of these workshops, but need the work. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's much more accessible now. It's sort of safer in a way because you're behind your screen and and everything. So it's, it's, it's been a really good thing. And for us too, because putting on in-person classes, I mean, we've been doing it for Erwan almost 30 years, me for almost 20. It's a lot. (laughs) I'm kind (laughs) of like, it's much nicer to just walk right down into our bedroom, which is also our photo studio. And I'm in my office right now, but it's, I like it. It's a lot of energy. I mean, I can, I can tell, you know, I, I can feel that your, your heart is there in it. And as a person who's been on both sides of, of the game, I, I get it. It's, it's really full on because you're so present and I can feel that you would be so present. And with the more people there are, the more stories you're taking on, I imagine. So, yes. uh, you know, we're going to get more of your energy because you're, you're not consuming as much of it. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm, you know, you have a, you have a small person as well. And I, yeah. one of the things that comes up in our relationship as well as uh, my clients and the people who, who comment and contact me is that already being a, a couple, <laughs> a parent inside of, you know, that world of those first few years before they're in school more and whatnot, um, it's quite challenging to keep your intimacy and your relationship and the same level and vibe because the demand of those little people, whether it's one, three, five, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's full on because you want to be present for them. You want to be present for your partner and for yourself. What are some of the things that, um, I mean, and now with COVID you have even less privacy maybe because there isn't school, there maybe aren't caregivers and whatnot. So what are some of the things that you guys have come up with? Because I know our audience is like, please ask Alicia this <laughs> to keep that because people are really suffering now. I think in those early years, it's challenging anyway. Uh, but now we have this whole other level. Like we just moved. <laughs> we were actually also taking care and with, you know, um, grandma. So we had this whole three gen thing. And there's a lot of people who are in a similar situation where they have multiple generations. You have so such a lack of privacy. Uh, and so what are some things that you could <laughs> suggest or that work for you to keep that going? Because that connection is so important and, um, uh, essential. <laughs> it really is. 
Yes. This is like the million dollar question. And I don't know why my video just went off weird. Um, okay. Back. <laughs> this is a million dollar question. And before I go into like what to do, cause I have a lot of things that people can do. There's people have an ambivalent relationship with having intimate connection with their partners. So to be aware of that, there's different concerns that come up for people, right? Like on the surface, it's like, oh my God, you know, we're not getting enough time together, whether it's like social time, pleasure time. I don't know why this is happening automatically. Social time, pleasure time, that kind of thing. And they kind of want it. Either one partner is aware or both partners are aware. But then there's like these sometimes unconscious forces that are kind of moving people in a different direction, like avoiding intimacy. We are tired. Sometimes whatever sexual issues might be there in the relationship, like we just, it's like easy now <laughs> to sort of avoid them. We're not consciously thinking that, but we're like, oh, I don't really have to, or, um, you know, very common thing I hear with moms is like, I'm being like crawled all over all day. People need something from me all day, like with my kids and being groped at and like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to pleasure anybody. Yes. <laughs> I don't be I've had those moments. For yeah, sure. <laughs> right. And that's all really natural and normal. And then there's more unconscious. Those are kind of more conscious usually, but then there's unconscious things like some women feel like kind of conflicted. I'm a mom. How can I be a mom and a sexual being? There's a conflict. Moms aren't sexy. Moms shouldn't want sex because of whatever conditioning. And sometimes women feel like they're betraying their kids in this funny way. It doesn't make sense, but it's sort of like, oh, if I leave mom role, and go into sexual, like romantic role. It, it's very interesting because it doesn't make sense, but it's emotional, right? And then the final piece that I've seen a lot is that when we form a family unit, we kind of take on familial, like the unconscious conditioning from the families kind of seep into the unit, whether it's like parents don't have sex or there's like religious stuff or whether there's, trauma from the past or, you know, it just kind of seeps in a little bit more. So there's all these funny reasons, not funny, ha ha, but like interesting reasons why couples have trouble connecting intimately. Sometimes it's hard to go from like nothing to intercourse, right? It's like, how do you, you know, you're like not juiced up yet. So it's easier to avoid. Anyways, I want to name all that because it's like, Sometimes couples are like, why are we not being more intimate? Well, you got to just name these things. So if those things are going on, you know, it's good to acknowledge them and then really both get on the same page. Like we do want to connect intimately. Gradient is a big deal. So not like pressuring yourselves to be like, let's have sex. Like we should be able to have intercourse and it should be wild. Like the movies, you know, the touching practices that we did teach in our live classes. And we teach a lot in our virtual classes. And I actually have a video of these touching practices of Erewhon and I practicing it, which happy to give you the link to, if you want to include it for your listeners. Yeah, that'd just, be great. Yeah, just starting with like one person giving, one person receiving clothes, like one hand on the heart, one hand on the abdomen, just sort of breathing and connecting. And maybe one partner wants a massage and one partner wants a foot rub. And, and the practices can gradually get more and more sensual. But just starting to physically connect is one tip. Don't even pressure yourself to make it some way. And then even before that, some people hate this, scheduling. Scheduling time. Erwan and I call it pleasure time. If you could see my calendar, you would see every weekday morning at 9.15 is pleasure time. 
And that's our, our, we have an hour. It doesn't have to take an hour. It can be a 15 minute chunk or whatever. If you don't schedule it, it will not happen. So for starters, those are the things that come to mind. Yeah. And I, I want to, I mean, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my own experience of, uh, I, I did a workshop in Czech that had some similar pieces. I just sort of did a quick glance. I don't let myself Google too much before I meet with people. Cause it's like a, you know, a movie review. I don't want to see too much. I just want to <laughs> enjoy it. But I did see like little pieces. And when you just mentioned that, you know, that piece about, you know, hands on the chest and looking into people's eyes. I remember a friend invited me to something and it was all in Czech. So that made it a little harder than probably yours would be. But, uh, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Like my first quick judgment after being in a society, at least from my experience of it, where it was much more, um, the bubble of comfort was much bigger than here. Um, and I'd gotten used to that. And then suddenly we were going into an intimate space of being present with one another. And I remember, I just want to say to people that this, this practice is so powerful and that I love that you're mentioning this is incremental, the gradient, you know, it doesn't, that the pleasure time that, you know, like you said, keep the pressure off, you know, even just being present with one another, it's so powerful. And it, it might seem like, oh, come on, that's, what is that going to do? But it really, I think it's that coming together as you were talking about is, is such an important piece before, you know, diving fully in because so many of us are. I remember my husband talking about it with his ex and I was like, oh my gosh, we'll never be like that. The logistical thing that can happen where days can go by, where you're just kind of like two ships passing in the night, you know, passing the baton. And so that connection that you're talking about, uh, I, yeah, I'm just really happy that you mentioned that because it's so, so important. It is because you have to want it to make it happen. You have to have your heart in it because there's way too many things that are, are, are kind of inviting us to move away from being present with our partner and intimacy. And sometimes, you know, we have like an issue with our partner that we're scared to talk about, or we feel insecure for whatever reason, all the stuff that happens in relationships, right? So starting with that presence and making time for it and like, it might feel a little uncomfortable or a little awkward at first, you know, that's really normal and okay. And, um, you know, it can be a gradual movement forward. Do you think that this practice that you're mentioning about, uh, that you're, we're going to have a link of, to kind of give a taste, but, uh, would this help with a, one of the things that comes up in our relationship and, and other people have mentioned recently, I've been getting a lot of questions about is, uh, the piece around, a lot of people have families before they connect. And so there's multiple families involved. There's so many emotions. That's one of the things when you're talking about the things that come into the room that sometimes are a bit subconscious, sometimes more in the forefront, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I've noticed that, that uh, it really, it really affects, you know, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I don't want to call anybody out from my audience, but there are moments when it's challenging to connect because the stuff that's between us, it's literally people and their energy between us. Mm -hmm. um, it, it stands in the way and we have to, I don't, I know that walking around it isn't the answer. We have to kind of go through it in a way. And do you feel that these practices would, would help with that? You know, when you've got stuff, big stuff in the room that maybe you're not in full alignment on how to deal with certain things, either in your own family or with ex family, that kind of thing I've noticed can get in the way of that smooth, beautiful, sparky energy that you may have had before. I mean, our sex life, our reality was just like on fire. We're yeah. like, we'll never be those people. And then <laughs> <laughs> eat my own words, you know? Yeah. And you find yourself, you're like, go away. I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that, you know? I know. So <laughs> would you say that these practices would kind of, help to move through that stuff or what would you what would you say to people who've got that going on yeah I have kind of two answers for that which um is it, it just depends on the situation so I'm a huge fan of not sweeping things under the rug and talking about them and I didn't used to be that way I mean I grew up kind of like people pleaser nice let's just smooth everything over and like my relationships before the one with Erwan they all ended in the same way which is like totally amazing. Then I would get like mad or offended about something, right? Not too hard to do. 
And then, but I wouldn't say it because like, you don't say when you're mad. Right. But I would be really weird. It wasn't the same vibe. And they'd be like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. And then until things blew up and I just left the guy, right? Like that is what happened in all my relationships. And like, luckily when I got with Erwan, he's like, he lets it all hang out. He's like total communicator. He's also so perceptive that I can't even hide anything from him, which I used to hate. And now I love. (laughs) So I'm a big fan of like, when something's there, it's festering, like best to get it out, best to talk about it and best to at least have it. Like if there's stuff not being talked about, and then you try to go and be intimate, it can be hard because you're like, not present with your partner. So good to talk about that stuff. But then on the other hand, my kind of opposite answer is that some, you don't have to have everything worked out before you can have a good time sexually, you know? And sometimes in certain situations, it's kind of nice to be like, yes, we have these things, but we're putting them aside right now. And we're going to get physical. Like we're just going to touch each other. And sometimes even some of those things can dissolve (laughs) once you've, you know, had that nice, yummy, sensual time, because sometimes there's issues that totally need to be dealt with, talked about. Others, it's like, if we have this pent up sexual energy, especially as women, but it's not being released and enjoyed, we just get mad, right? (laughs) We, We can pick anything and just pick a fight, right? So sometimes it's best to like, just, Hey, let's leave all that crap aside. Like, come here. (laughs) I can even visualize it. Like pulling somebody over in the kitchen, like, okay, let's just come on. And that's that. (laughs) Totally. Like who cares about the dishes and who did them and like, why you never do, you know, come here. (laughs) I I think exactly. And I think one of the things that we've been putting into more practice is we noticed that when we were in close quarters with multiple family members, that there was a lot less touch than we normally have. Like we would just touch each other when we do the dishes. There was like this con- this contact and this sort of just mini, you know, set, I'm gonna say like tiny little bits and bites of, of intimacy that wasn't there because we could feel the tension in the room because maybe someone else didn't have a partner or whatever. Mm. Um, and even little kids sometimes get in the middle of you because they're used to having your full attention. Yes. But just to making that conscious effort. I remember I woke up after meditation, wait, that woke up and had a meditation and then woke up again, I guess I should say. And I remember having this moment of just, oh, we're not touching each other as much. What about just, you know, first making it conscious and then coming back to that practice of just, you know, touching his back as I'm reaching for something or, you know, kind of just putting my hand on his shoulder as I walk by and he's working or just those little things that we did a lot more of in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe think of that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean, especially as a woman, you and, and women and, or the feminine, you know, because of course there's some, there's same sex couples as well. The feminine person has a lot of power in the realm of romance and sexuality. I mean, I find all the time, like it's easier just to sort of be like, oh, whatever. But if I take (laughs) the extra second to be like, hey, you know, or give him a little look or caress his shoulders or give him that special smile, we're suddenly teenagers again. And it's, we have that power as a woman or the feminine person, men and the masculine also has power, you know, to notice and and compliment and invite us to turn on and bring that energy. I mean, there's a lot we can do. It just takes extra being deliberate when we're tired and distracted. Maybe, you know, you've just kind of pulled me into another question, which is that, uh, you know, there's so there's a, a lot of moms who are listening, but I also, there's a lot of dads who I think come in for sort of that sneak peek, you know, behind the curtain sort of thing, what would you suggest to the, the masculine energy or the, the male or whoever it is that the, the, the other side of the, uh, the table or the whatnot, as mm-hmm. far as if you have somebody in your relationship and you're on the other side and you know, this person is maybe they're the main caregiver 
of the kids or they sort of keep the house running or whatever it is, the person who seems more overwhelmed. And there's, there's always seems to be one that's a little more relaxed mm-hmm. and one who's a little bit sort of like running the line of things. So if the person who's on the relaxed side, who's trying to uh, not set that other person off, but encourage that intimacy in a way that can, you know, be easier, more easily received. So if, of course it's a thing together, but maybe you have somebody who's been, who's gotten more tightly wound over time or somehow there's been a separation. What would you suggest to kind of get that ball rolling instead of just, you know, putting one of your videos in front of them, but maybe we're taking them to a workshop, which can feel a little bit intense, you know, as a, as a first step, what would be something you'd recommend? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, a few things popped into mind. So one is, let's see, which order do I want to say these things in? Um, we won't know. <laughs> right. I know it's, it's like you, you want to, oh, okay. So let's say it's, let's just take a stereotypical situation. Like maybe the it's a man and a woman in a relationship. Maybe the woman is sort of like the one that's handling everything and everything you can see and everything you cannot see. And we're just like, ah, being crawled all over breastfeeding, lack of sleep, whatever, all that stuff we go through. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> D all of the above. <laughs> yes. Yes. And let's say, you know, the, the guy is what really is common is the guy or the husband will be like, we're not having enough sex. We're not having enough attention. Like, or we're not, I'm not getting enough attention. I want more sensuality between us and sex. And then the woman is like, ah, I'm giving so much. I'm tapped out. Like, uh, and then there's sort of a standstill and maybe some resentment from one or both sides and it's hard. Right. So one thing that the, the more relaxed person or the less kind of burdened person can do is find out what the other, what the person wants, you know, find out what she wants. Like she may not want wild sex or to give oral sex now, or she may not feel so sexy and seductive, but she may really want a shoulder massage. She may really want a foot massage. She may really want you to like, you know, handle the 3 a.m. wake up. She might want, so like one couple I'm working with, they, they have two young kids and they also had gotten into a pattern of like a lot of fighting and stuff. So we have been working through all of that. And now that we've settled some of that kind of surface level conflict, what we're finding is that she just loves his shoulder massages, you know, and like all he needs to do is go over and like put his hands on her shoulders and she melts and she's like so happy. And then their dynamic gets even better. And then she even gets turned on. And like, you know, you want to find the way in to what the person needs and wants, because even I know this from personal experience in moments where I'm like, I can't give anymore. I can't give anymore. It's so nice to receive without any expectation of like needing to give something. So that would be the first That's step. That's a big one, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Especially right? for people who are caregivers or like the, you know, peacekeepers, it's that sort of automatic reaction, even if they don't say it. But yeah. you feel you have to, you know, so that's really powerful. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Totally. So that would be a good first step. Great. Thank you. <laughs> now I want to ask about uh, the other piece that we had talked about earlier, which is uh, our kids and how to work with, because of course, I, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. I'm often personally thinking about everything that we are and we're doing, I know is affecting and, and being, my daughter is just sponging it. And I'm always thinking like what we do and don't do may be affecting how her relationships are going forward. And so there's this multidimensional sort of reality of, of how to be in the moment, not overthinking it, but just awareness of it. And yet there's this silent competition, not really a competition, but there is this sort of pull of affection you know, I want my, you know, my daughter, I can feel that she wants us to be giving her attention. Sometimes she's okay with us connecting. Other times she wants to be right in the middle. What would you tell people as far as a really healthy way of, of working with the dynamic of kids and, you know, your own connection and rippling something beautiful forward? Mm. Yes. So I am a very strong believer in the 
parental unit, the, the unit of the two parents being top priority. And that's kind of triggering <laughs> to a lot of people. It does not mean you love your kids any less. I think that if there are two parents in the house, those two parents having a really authentically solid connection is the best thing you can do for your kids. Our kids will want more than we can give forever. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like yes. no matter how much we give, they want more. And, and that's just their nature. You know, at least if this maybe little kids, I am not past four and a half years yet, but I imagine it morphs, but there's still some version of that. So Erwan and I make a really strong effort to prioritize each other. It's not like if we're giving each other a hug and Aiden comes over, we're going to like push him away. You know, we like, come here, it's good. You know, it's all very loving, but you know, we take time together. We prioritize it. If this is a big deal for a lot of people, like if the three of us are hanging out and Erwan and I are talking about something and Aiden often is like, he just wants to keep interrupting, keep interrupting. We're like, Hey, we're talking now, you know, please wait till we're done. We'll be done in a few minutes and then we'll hear what you have to say. And it, you know, it's, it's like showing him, Hey, we're a unit. So I understand the pull to, <laughs> to, I mean, it's just the most blissful connection with your little one. And it's also so important and in the long run, even more pleasurable and better for the family. This absolutely. is my experience. This is my experience. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And I, and I, and that piece of of unity is so important for them to see. I think, um, would you not agree that also having, being able to see your parents have a, I don't say kerfluffle moment, like a, a moment of tension, but then coming out on the other side of it, that people who love each other can not always like what you do, each other, what you know each person is doing, but then you still can come out on the other side. And, and we, we talk a lot about at home, uh, I don't always like what daddy's doing, but I love him no matter what. And mm. she'll, she'll test me and she'll say, you didn't like that, did you? But you still love me. And I said, absolutely. I love you no matter what. Yeah. But I don't always like what you do. And you're not always going to like what I do. And, you know, these kinds of moments. But mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, thank you for yeah. sharing that. Please. And I would agree with that. It's good for kids to see some amount of, of um, conflict. And obviously there's a, there's a limit, right? But it's, oh, of course. <laughs> natural conflict and being able to see, I mean, Aiden is like, he more than once has schooled us in communication, right? I mean, we will have, be having a conversation and then maybe it gets a little tense and then we're interrupting each other. And he's like, you need to listen, you know, or like he'll walk over and be like, mommy, daddy's talking, listen to him. And then he's going to listen to you. I'm like, Oh my God, I've created a monster, <laughs> but this is a good thing. Right. And then we make sure to like, we're all good, you know, after we've had a conflict and moved through it gives them Absolutely. more security, I think. And, and the other thing I was going to say that I just remembered about what you brought up about the, um, parents making sure to prioritize their connection is that I think that kids like when they're not in the center of attention all the time, even though they fight for it and they fight for all the power, they don't actually want it. Yes. More secure, yes. right? If they're like, yes. okay, I have these capable people that are going to yes. put me in my place. <laughs> yes. We, yes, I, I absolutely, I learned this with my, with my bonus son, you know, uh, mm -hmm. my husband kept saying, no, we need to include him in all the things that we're sorting out with the holidays, with this, with that. I'm like, that is way too much pressure. It's like, yes, he wants the control and no, he doesn't. We said, mm -hmm. just, just decide and take it off his shoulders. And I remember just, he was like a different person after that. He was so much lighter and, and my daughter too. I mean, that, that thing, they're constantly going to be pushing our boundaries, as you said, for as much attention and energy as they can. But at the same time, that's, that's the whole thing with um, how important it is. And, and, and this time you see this sort of finding the line between giving them freedom, but giving them a contained freedom that allows them to relax into that safe feeling of there's going to be borders mm -hmm. and that's where the love is, you know, and they feel that. So, uh, and I think that's tricky. I look around and I'm in West County here and we see a lot of 
whatever. And uh-huh. you see how that works and doesn't work in different yes. moments. Let's just say it politely. I know. So, you- uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I'm so sure cool. people think the same thing about me sometimes when they're like, how does she give her daughter that much freedom? But then in other moments, not. So, you know, everybody has their own lines. And, and I think that's the thing too. You're giving so many, we're, we're talking about a lot of um, key things here. And ultimately people have to listen to their own bodies, their own intuition, their own stories to really find what that is. But the most important thing that you said is that listening to one another, it's not just about your story, but recognizing and the, the story between you uh, and inside the family, because sometimes that's, it was so easy. I, my husband and I met when I was 43 mm. and I had a child, you know, almost at 50 and it's, and so I was used to a lot of freedom yeah. and and I could manifest things and make things and da da da. But suddenly you've got someone else's story, and that that intermingling as um, means that you you know you find new ways. It's not going to be the same as it was before. And uh, you know, and when you've been together for a while, there's also letting go of those assumptions, right? Of thinking that you know exactly what your partner needs without asking. Mm-hmm. And you made a really good point of you know. <laughs> see what they really need and what they really want right now in this yes. moment. Yes. Yeah, really we're key. developing as people, you know, I mean, some people for more, more degree than others. I mean, there's some of us that are really um, kind of on the path of personal growth and discovering things about ourselves. And then there's others of us that aren't as much, but like, even so we all grow and develop as people. So getting to see your partner newly as often as possible is a good thing you know, because then you don't fall into the same ruts. Yes. What's an aha that you and, and Erwin have had? Erwin, Erwin, sorry. Erwan. I'm not saying Erwin. No, everybody. Sorry. I practiced it. that this morning, but you know, my brain. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> it's, you're not alone. <laughs> what, what's a, a recent aha, like something that sort of surprised one of you about each other, if you're willing to share? Yeah, I'm definitely willing to share. I'm trying to think of what it would be. Um, hmm. Let me think about that. I don't know right now, but I will <laughs> tell you when it pops into my mind. No worries. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, I mean, I think there are those, hopefully there are still those moments in our lives where we can be receptive enough to notice. I'm not, I mean, even myself, like there'll be moments, there'll be periods of time when, you know, it feels like same, 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 same. And then something will pop up and you'll think, how did I not know that about you? Mm-hmm. Or how did I not discover that? And I love those moments. You um, know, you know, yeah. One thing that was not, not super recent, but has been over the last year, his cooking abilities. I cannot believe <laughs> this. Cause like we started cooking at home more with COVID blah, blah. And I always knew like, okay, he totally knows how to make a good steak and, you know, he's really good at certain things, but then he just started cooking all these things. And I'm like, this is amazing. I didn't even realize, you know, (laughs) that this asset, you know, so that, that I would say is the thing that comes to mind. Oh, wow. wow. That's a cool one. Yes. Sorry about the echo there. Okay. It went away. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if uh, you gave us some really good pointers, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to, to tell our parents, but I would love to, uh, like if, if somebody was going to walk away with one thing today to mm-hmm. improve their, their intimacy for themselves and in their partnerships and their family, mm-hmm. what would be the one thing that you'd hope they walk away with today? You know, Sorry about the video. Here it is again. Doesn't matter. (laughs) One thing that I think is like the romantic connection is not all the way gone. It might seem like it is, or it's hard to find. So for most people, like who didn't have arranged marriages, the reason you first got together is that spark, that attraction, that passion. And it's normal that that goes on the back burner, but it doesn't have to become your like new normal forever. It's totally possible to have a passionate 
and chemistry filled, fun, romantic relationship. And it just takes putting in the time, having the support and learning the skills. Thank you. I, I have to ask because so many of the, the mom, mainly focused on moms, but let's say the, the main caregivers um, that are listening are, and these days maybe even more because of COVID, but are entrepreneurs or they're, they're creating their lives, they're on their path or they're attempting to be on their path while also supporting the person in front of them and their little person in strange times. How are you managing that? Like, I don't know if you have support from external support or if you guys are all sheltered together. What are some of the things that have worked for you to keep that presence, keep the frustration low and Mm -hmm. still sort of, you know, integrate them all together somehow in a way that functions and feels good and has good energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, it's all about practice. practices. You know, Erwan and I have a set of not just those touching practices, but practices that we teach our students, we train them in like meditation and something we call psychological inquiry and body practice and sensual practice, which then goes into those touching practices. So like engaging in those practices, even if it's not for very long every day, that is what has saved us because, you know, the the pandemic and having a kid and everything, it hits you at so many levels. So you kind of have to make your mind up. This is important. You know, my presence is important. My connection with my partner is important. It all benefits our little one or little ones. So putting those practices in, that is what has saved us. And, and the actual conversation or the dynamic with with the, I think you said Aiden, Aiden. Aiden. Yeah. With Aiden, how do you, for example, before you have this call or do you have a a ritual with him or how do you um, keep focus, whether it's a call or something else uh, when he wants your attention? Yes. Well, we are very lucky that his little in-home preschool has been open for a really long time. So he, she opened, you know, I, I really have not had him home all day, every day. We're so lucky. I know a lot of people have not been in that situation, (laughs) you know, but you know, there are times where we're like, Hey, you know, you need to, you know, daddy and I have to do this. I want you to do this in 15 minutes. We're going to come get you. And we've definitely had him as he gets older, kind of do something on his own for a set period of time. And we found that if we are connected and then we tell him what's going to happen and we make sure that he's actually into whatever we're leaving him to do (laughs) for a little bit of time. Um, If he's like a part of deciding how it's going to go, then it goes much better than if we're like, just be quiet and, and, and like stay in your room till blah, blah, you know, <laughs> he's like, wait, <laughs> that has the opposite effect, right? <laughs> totally. He's like, Oh, I'll just come talk to you every five minutes. So yeah. So I, I don't have like a lot of great tips with that because we didn't actually go through that, but um, I was yeah. just like to ask, you know, it's, I, I watched the, the kids, the dogs, the husbands, the wives <laughs> pop in and, and I know I've had multiple times. This is actually the first call in weeks that my daughter didn't walk in on because we had a very, I'm like, I'll wake you up so that we can play. <laughs> and we'll have uh-huh. breakfast and we'll do all of this. And I said, no, so, you know, as soon as you come in, I love you so much that sometimes I just can't focus after that. Like, I understand mommy, you know, yeah. so I just always curious. <laughs> well, in, include, you know, not kind of rejecting them is a good idea, right? Like if they do come in, I mean, I heard one of your episodes where she came in and you were just so sweet. You were like (laughs) telling her, yeah, it's like the beads on the necklace or something. And you're like, I will do that. I'm going to work on that. You know, just inviting like, Hey baby, I love you. I'm going to be out in a little while. So so they don't feel like cast aside, you know? Definitely. And I think it, it also depends on the the energy in the room as well. I noticed for myself that the people who it's probably my own limiting belief, but there's a, there's a tension that I feel when somebody doesn't have family themselves and they, 
and I can feel the irritation mm-hmm. kind of a little stronger because they're like, really, you know, you can't get 45 minutes or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> I know I feel that way sometimes too, but you know, but it's, uh, but like you, you were talking about before about um, your practices, I know that uh, even just taking a little bit of time, even if a short meditation, or if it's who, you know, if you're not into meditation, it's having your sip of water and spraying some lavender, looking out the window, whatever it is, like a little bit of peace time before mm-hmm. meeting with somebody new. I'm, I'm, you know, I always get nervous, even if it's a fantastic person, I'm always like, it's a new person, you know, yeah. <laughs> I want it to go well. So, uh, so So is there any question that, you know, we talked about at the beginning that, you know, there's a lot of questions that you get and and we maybe got to some of those. Is there any question that you wish that somebody had asked you and nobody's asked you yet, but you've been sort of dying to, to share the information about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think maybe I had mentioned this to, to Jada. I think, you know, she may have even added this as a potential question. And I'm like, sure, I'll talk about that. But Aiden, or my son is of age where he's discovering his body. You know, he's discovering his, his quote unquote private parts. I mean, he already had before, but he's like asking a million questions. I'm like, <laughs> looking and oh, this and that. And he's like, and, and it's like, God, just to be as encouraging of that as possible. And we're getting into reading these particular books. Like there's a really good one. It's not the stork, which is just talks about how babies are really made. And it's pretty, you know, straightforward, but totally appropriate for their age. He's four and a half. There's just something about having a, there's something it does to kids when there's a positive spacious, appropriate, but, you know, positive, spacious, light relationship to sexuality, body parts, that kind of thing. It's so refreshing. I mean, my parents are awesome. They weren't against anything. They're pretty open, but we weren't really, it wasn't talked about, you know, in like, hey, this is what's happening. Here's what's happening to your body, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just nice to have that open, to feel that I'm educating him in an appropriate way. Um, There's something about that that I think is really great. So I wanted to add that in, that could be a whole topic in and of itself, but- (laughs) I have no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but just at his age, you know, and he's like noticing and body parts and girls and boys and what happens that, you know, it's just like, sometimes as adults, it brings up our own awkwardness, <laughs> you know, about our bodies and sex and ways that we were raised. So the more we can attend to that and doesn't mean do it perfectly, but just address that and address that within ourselves, it'll make a big impact is what I'm finding. Absolutely. And, and remembering that, you know, as especially sometimes it can be surprising that some younger people, you know, like these four, four and a half year olds can ask these questions, you can be startled. And, but remembering that they're, they're looking for that openness, that just receptivity and answering doesn't mean you need to give the detailed answer. I mean, I I remember learning that ages ago that it's just, you know, give them an answer and maybe that can come in more detail as they get older. Mm -hmm. They'll probably ask more details. Now I find that my daughter won't always dig too deep into the answer. I'll say, yeah, it works like this. Okay but I don't go into like every, you know, little minutia of, of yeah. that reality yeah. uh, and every kid's different. So some kids will, you know, need more and some less. And, but like you said, it's that, that opening and, and it, that it's not bad, you know, yeah. that them discovering their bodies. I'm so, I'm, I'm thankful that you, you brought that up. Uh, and we go through that a lot. Our daughter is very comfortable with her body. She always has been yeah. My house was also a little bit, let's say more modest in the way things were. It wasn't about bad, but it was definitely more modest. And my husband's previous family was, they were, um, his ex-wife, they were Catholic. Mm. So it was a very different reality. So he's kind of sometimes happy and in shock at the same time at the, um, fluidity of the, you know, <laughs> it's okay. You know, yeah. that's your body. That's okay. Maybe we don't do that at the park, right. but that's fine. That's your, you know how is that? Okay, great. You know, but we didn't know, yes. you know, according yes. to your comfort zone, but it's that, of course, none of us want to be shamed. So remembering, remembering that what, how we can find the way it's not going to be perfect, but finding the way 
um, with your own family. Yeah, it's, I mean, these are little people growing and we're just supporting them to be who they're meant to be. We don't have to have all the answers, right? Right, right. It's more just energetic, you know, it's more like welcoming, energetic, even if we don't know how to answer something or something comes up in us, it, it just all comes back to awareness of like, oh, wow, I'm having this reaction. Right. Do I want to impart this reaction to my child? I don't know, you know, and it's not like there's something wrong with it. We can't help our reactions. You know, we have our own conditioning and experiences, but just being aware is, is, is powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and having that conversation. And I love that it actually um, wakes you up, as you're saying, making that, um, making you think about things. And maybe that ends up a little conversation with your little one ends up rippling into a conversation with your partner that can open mm -hmm. things up. And so I love the idea of this sort of, you know, all everything flowing into each other and, and how we grow each other at any age. Right. So, yes. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh, Alicia, in, in your highest dream, what would your, what would your work, what would happen with your work, your life? Like if, if I, I don't know, three years from now or at the end of your life, I don't know when, but mm -hmm. what would be your highest dream for the work that you are in the midst of right now? I would say that it's accessible to, to more and more and more people, you know, I mean, our work is really about waking up to who we are and being present and feeling our bodies and just being able to enjoy ourselves and enjoy the potential of our bodies and our connection with other people, you know, whether you're single and you're looking for a relationship or you're in one and you want it to be the best that it can be. So just that, you know, I mean, I am just loving this work that we're doing online. I see no limit to it. It would just be fantastic to get to meet people from all over the world and continue our trainings. I just love it. Oh, I need to take a deep breath with you for just a second. You guys just take in everything that Alicia has been saying to us today. Just take one deep breath in and out. And I hope you can take a few minutes um, at the end of this podcast for uh, whatever has come up maybe during, during this session. And um, Alicia, thank you so much. How can we support you the best after this incredible time together? Where can we find you? What are you up to? What should we look for in the near yes. future? Well, I have something that I want to offer to your listeners. Um, I found that especially around work that relates to sexuality and romance and our bodies and our relationships, it's very, it's very personal and it's sensitive. It's tender. You know, there's a lot that we want. There might be some challenges. So Erwan and I really like to give the personal touch, the personal attention wherever we can. We teach a lot of classes that are all online. We do private coaching for singles and couples. You can work with me or you can work with Erwan or you can do a combination. And what I like to offer, what I wanna offer is, I call it a love life consultation. It's free 30 to 45 minutes to anybody who wants one who's listening. And during that time, I'll coach you on whatever you want. You know, you can ask questions. You can bring me, hey, here's my situation. I'm struggling with this. Or, hey, you know, we really want to know how to, you know, have more sex between us and how do I deal with this challenge, whatever it is. And then people who are interested in more support beyond that, I'll lay out the different options for working with us. And the best way really is just to text me. <laughs> my, my number is 415 3089580. So you can literally text me right now and just say your name, say that you were on listening to this podcast, and then we can schedule it. Oh my gosh, that is so incredibly generous. Thank you, Alicia. Oh my goodness. You're welcome. You guys call that number. I'm serious. It's so <laughs> worth it. If you, you you're not seeing her face on this uh, on this podcast, but the warmth, the energy, the the authenticity is um, something you don't want to miss out on. And it's Aww. worth investing in yourself and in this time for Aww. sure. Thank you. And we have a website and stuff, so I can tell you what it is and I'll give you that um, link to that video for your listeners and stuff. And so you all can find us online. Yeah, definitely. And There'll be links below and <laughs> yep. all that stuff, but yeah, text me. I'd be happy to talk to anyone. Oh. Thank you so much, Alicia, for your time and the work that you're putting out into the world to 
make this place uh, shining from the inside out from all of us. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you for listening to our Very Imperfect Parenting Podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IP parents. You can also write me at ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. If you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast, that helps us a lot. As well, we have Patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day. Thank you so much for being out there.